Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Not much, man. Good to be here. Well, it's always good to have you. So together on the show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well-known songs that they sampled from. Toby, what are we listening to today? I'm so glad that you asked there, Joe. Uh, this is a track called I Know You Want Me from Pitbull. Let's hop in the DeLorean and find out what track was sampled to produce this hit. Rewind! Funky man, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know that I like it. I'm sure the listeners do too. But Joe, can you please tell us what we are listening to? But of course, this is a song called "Street Player" from Chicago. Now, Chicago is one of those bands that I think can rightly be called legendary. Formed in 1967 in Chicago, Illinois, of course, they were originally called Chicago Transit Authority. But they kind of shortened it just Chicago after the release of their first album. Yeah, I, I bet they were threatened legal action by the actual Chicago Transit Authority. <laughs> I guess they didn't want folks to get confused and start showing up at the recording studios to catch the L. Yeah, that's, yeah. They'd that's be like a- catching an L. Looking for the L, right? <laughs> ah, okay. That's nice. Yeah, I see you. how you spun that. That was good. I'll be here all, all session. Go all ahead. right, good. Continue. Well, I know you and I are huge fans of horns in rock bands, or really just horns in general. And these guys were pioneers. Though I suspect many folks are more familiar with their epic ballads like, you know, You're the Inspiration or Hard to Say I'm Sorry. There is no question these cats could rock. No doubt. And regardless of the style, they are certified hit makers. Chicago was a leading U.S. singles chart group during the 1970s. It had five number one albums and 21 top 10 singles, and have sold more than 100 million records. It's yep. pretty good. That's good. It's a good uh, run. 23 gold, 18 platinum, 8 multi-platinum, Man. five consecutive number one albums on the Billboard 200, 20 top 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100. In fact, Man. Chicago once had their entire catalog, their first seven albums, on the Billboard 200 at the same time. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2016. So my only question with that is, why did it take the hall so long? Yeah, that's a, that's I mean, a great seriously, question. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Chicago has released 36 albums. Ooh, that's a lot. And it's not even including all their live and compilation releases. We don't have enough time to do a deep dive, but let's take a very brief run through some of their diverse catalog Let's start right with their debut album and the song, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? I don't care. Do you care? Only if it's like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I, you were going to go somewhere. I was. I saw I was. that look. I, I pulled it like, back. It's a family it. show. It's a family show. <laughs> it's a family show. Come on. All right, so interesting tidbit about this song. While it was definitely a top 10 hit on both the Hot 100 and adult contemporary charts, it wasn't actually released as a single until a couple of songs from their second album charted as hits. One of those singles was a actually personal favorite of mine, ironically, also about time. Let's listen to 25 or 6 to 4. Mm, 
This goes hard in the paint. Let's do it. That part where they just kind of switched up the beat a little yeah. bit. Oh, I love that. So good. And the, actually, this is one of my all-time favorite guitar solos, which we're not going to play on the show, but Terry Kath rips it. It's so good. Man. So on this show, we get into sampling and interpolation of songs and music, but sometimes this can be a gray area. After all, there are only so many chords and progressions to work with, and certain ones are more pleasing than others. And this song has one of those progressions, right? Yes, sir. Much like the ubiquitous Smoke on the Water from Deep Purple, this is a song that many budding guitarists first learn the power chords to. I did something for you, Tob. I made a little quick mashup of okay. a few tracks that kind of feature the same progression. Let's take a listen. Do it. So this is Zeppelin, and babe, I'm going to leave you. Yeah. Beatles, George Harrison, while my guitar gently weeps. Love this one. Same progression. Right back to Chicago, 25 or 6 to 4. You had me from a little bit. <laughs> wow. Exact same progression. Green Day, Brain Stew. Beautiful. So, you know, all very different songs that clearly make use of the same chord movements. Tobe, I think sometimes we get all too caught up in the notion that, hey, they stole that idea, right? And yeah, I totally agree. Music is a universal language, right? But we are using the same vocab words. It's always fascinating to see how different artists take the same tool set and create very different finished products. Yeah, absolutely. So Chicago's lineup consisted of some extraordinarily talented musicians. And look, it's a large band. It's counted dozens of members over the years. I'm not going to leave somebody out and attempt to name all of them. So suffice to say, these cats could also bring the funk. As evidenced by this track off their third album, let's take a listen to the song, Free. Still it. <laughs> Man, do you hear the drummer? Oh, it's so good. Like, all of it is so good, it makes my mind explode. The horns and oh. the bass player. Yeah, it's going. If, if that track don't set your booty free, then, then nothing will. <laughs> your booty's been arrested. If it, your booty's in handcuffs. If that don't set your booty free, nothing will. We've got problems. Yep. I true. have a sad, sad story, though. Totally. Hit me, please. Yeah, so Chicago kind of made a pretty distinct shift in their sound during the early 80s. Beginning to feature the power ballad stylings of singer and bassist Peter Cetera. This culminated in 1984 with their biggest selling album, the six time platinum Chicago 17. It was the last album to include Cetera, who then left to begin a solo career in 1985. So you call it a bad thing, right? This is the biggest, this is the biggest album. Biggest as far album as sales. they made, but all right, let's listen to the song Hard Habit to Break. Okay, let's do it. Wow. A little different. We're not funky anymore. This is the Chicago I know. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the slow tape. This is this. this, <laughs> this is the yes. Yes, it is. 
This is roller skating right now. I can, <laughs> I can pearl right here. Hold on. You're I'm doing pearling. it. I'm watching you. Pearl Without skates. That's impressive. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I personally, again, prefer the earlier sound. But as you say, there's no denying that this song is sort of high school dance-worthy material. Mm-hmm. I'm right. looking for my corsage right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, let's dive back into our featured track, Street Player, off of Chicago 13. Let's do it. Oh, we're back to funky again. I like it. It is funky. Love that horn break. So Chicago 13 was actually their 11th studio album. But since their fourth album was the live album, Chicago at Carnegie Hall, and their ninth album was the Greatest Hits Collection, chronically, 13 makes sense. Chronically? What are we, Dr. Dre? (laughs) Dr. Time, at least. (laughs) (laughs) So it was a tough time for the band as they were continuing to soldier on after the tragic death of founding guitarist Terry Kath, who died from accidentally self-inflicted gunshot wound in January of 78. Chicago 13 was actually critically panned, and many thought the band was caught in between their past success and how disco and kind of the burgeoning new wave movement were changing the popular music landscape a little bit. Yeah, well, this album came out in 79, so rap and hip-hop were in their infancy, too. So while I wouldn't call it straight-up disco, Street Player definitely leans in that direction. And the track is over nine Minutes. Yeah, nine minutes. Okay, there's plenty of time to get your hustle on on the dance floor, that's for sure. Uh, Yeah, speaking of dance floors, this song was was actually first recorded by the eminently danceable band Rufus and Shaka Khan. Mm. Yeah, we'll get into them a little bit more in our bonus material, but what's interesting is that Street Player was actually co-written by two members of both of these bands. We have keyboardist David Hawk Walensky from Rufus and drummer Danny Serafin from Chicago. Wow. Well, apparently they wrote a lot together. Well, let's take a listen to Rufus and Shaka Khan's version of Street Player from the 1978 album of the same name. City life, the only way. Street corners and billiard halls. Was a home away. Same tune, different vibe, right? Totally different vibe. It's kind of fun to hear when artists kind of take the same song, give it a different spin. Yeah, it, it's, it is funny. It's, it's, it's very interesting to me. It's very similar. It kind of reminds me of the whole police episode that we, came, that oh, we yeah. had. You know, we had... it's like the, the vibe is completely different. Yeah. Same notes, same, you know, general vibe or same riff, For if a you second, will. and then it's like, whoop, different direction. Like, totally different. All right, well, let's now take a listen to a song that was one of the most popular to sample Chicago's version of Street Player. This is the 1995 track, The Bomb, These Sounds Fall Into My Mind. From the Bucketheads. Let's do it. Now this sounds like disco. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> no, that's funny. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to have a break going on now. Yeah. And give me my glow sticks. Here we go. So, The Bomb was produced by Kenny Dope Gonzalez, and it reached number five on the UK singles chart and number 49 on the US Billboard Hot 100. It's a number one hit on the US Hot Dance Club play chart. And 
Another interesting fact is that Guy Ritchie co-directed the music video. He did. That's true. You know, this was still a couple of years before Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Love that movie. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, I The video for this, you know, this tune doesn't quite have that Ritchie-esque panache yet, but I do love how the song title, These Sounds Fall Into My Mind, is a mondegreen for the street player lyrics, Street Sounds Swirling Through My Mind. And for those of you that are wondering what a mondegreen is, Hop in the DeLorean, take a listen to episode two of Riffs on Riffs, and we'll tell you all about it. All right, let's take a listen now to the next track that samples Chicago's Street Player. This is 75 Street Brazil by Nicola Fasano and Pat Rich. Yeah, this should start to sound a little familiar right now, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm moving my hips, so yeah. No, yeah, right. I'm trying not to look. <laughs> so I actually couldn't find a ton of info on either of the creators of 75 Street Brazil. Nicolo Fasano is an Italian DJ that seems to be in high demand, actually. Look, I'm not up on the DJ scene, so I can't speak intelligently to this. Pat Rich doesn't even have a ton of info on the interwebs, right? But... It does say that he's one of the official DJs for a club called Jimmy's, with a Z, in Monte Carlo. You know, that doesn't sound like too bad a gig to me. Not bad at all. And working with Pitbull is a pretty good gig, too. This song is clearly the music bed for our next feature track, Pitbull's I Know You Want Me. In an interview with MTV News, he had this to say about the song's creation. The idea for that song is obviously from a rhythm from 75 Brazil Street, but that idea really came from a Dominican guy, El Cata, and the other one is Omega. They're both huge on the mambo side of things down in the Dominican Republic. So he had a record playing around singing, I Know You Want Me. So what they do is they record their records while they're performing. So they'll be performing at a club and improvise something and really throw it away. And I told him, hey, dog, let me hold that. He didn't even know what hit him or how big the song would get. I gave him a percentage for that, put it out, and now he's like, Oye, Omanito, I got these hooks. You need another hook? I'll give you another hook. I love you. You love me. How you want to do it? So he's happy. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's real happy counting his money. <laughs> of course. Mr. Worldwide definitely mines the entire planet for inspiration. He gives credit where credit is due and mentions 75 Street Brazil right at the beginning of I Know You Want Me, Calle Ocho. Calle Ocho literally translated is 8th Street, so there's a sort of Google Maps connection there as well. Calle Ocho is considered to be the nexus of Miami's Little Havana neighborhood, so Pitbull is hearkening back to his Cuban roots. All right, Tobe, let's talk a little bit more about Pitbull. Give me some background, please, sir. No problem. Pitbull's birth name is Armando Christian Perez. Armando was born on January 15th, 1981, and after graduating from high school, he decided to focus on his music career. In 2001, he was signed to Luke Records by none other than Uncle Luke Campbell, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker. Oh, my. Okay. From the Miami hip-hop group Two Live Crew. Yeah, some of our listeners might be familiar with some of the songs and the... Uh, adult-themed lyrics that made <laughs> Luke Campbell and Two Live Crew popular. To say the least. Yeah, a little bit. Right. Uh, these guys were known for literally taking their lyrics to court to push the envelope of freedom of speech rights. Very true. But due to the nature of most of their songs, we can only play a piece of one of Two Live Crew's hits. This is Hoochie Mama from the soundtrack from the movie Friday. Friday. <laughs> 
pretty much all we can play from this song. <laughs> this is it. You get the chorus, people. You get the chorus. You want, you want more? Go get the album. Okay? You get the album. Go to Amazon. All right. So back to Pitbull. <laughs> After the deal concluded with Luke Records, he was introduced to crunk music producer Little John and was featured on Little John's LP entitled, of course, Kings of Crunk. Mm-hmm. This song was called Pitbull's Cuban Rideout. Let's give it a listen. Okay. Pitbull's here to uh, voice his opinion And y'all gon' hear it All up and down the east side I'ma show y'all how dirty we ride From day to decade Only difference is y'all blow draw and we blow creepy But really there's no difference Cause they're both green and sticky I don't mean to be picky but what, now, You know what, I've never heard this song before We did this research yeah, I didn't So, and I love to hear early songs from artists <laughs> It definitely sounds early, doesn't it? It, it? it does I mean, you can always tell that he was young on the mic, so to speak And you can tell how, you know, just how bad he wants success and everything about Pitbull says drive. Even his name. When asked why he picked his name, he had these words. The dog is too stupid to lose. They're outlawed in Dade County and they're basically everything that I am. It's been a constant fight. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Pitbull's debut album, Miami, was released in 2004 and the lead single, produced again by Lil Jon and the Diaz brothers, <laughs> Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> was called Kulo. Let's take a listen to that. Let's do it. Here's my number. Call me when you're up for an even exchange. Feel me. There it is. Yeah! Yeah, in case you didn't know what Kulo was about, you, it, it becomes pretty obvious. Right. It's what you sit on, people. Yeah, it's what you sit yes, on. It is. Well, if you're digging this song, it's no wonder. You see, this song actually reached number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts and number 11 on Billboard's hip-hop charts. Not bad for your your debut single. Not bad at all. And the fun did not stop there. He had several other singles that must have impressed someone because it landed him an opportunity to join the Anger Management Tour. You remember that tour? It had one of your favorite MCs, actually. You must be talking about the one and only Eminem. That is exactly right, my friend. Yeah! Well, that tour was a pretty big deal because it featured many well-known artists across several genres, including Papa Roach, Limp Bizkit, DMX, Jay-Z, Ludacris, among others, in its five-year run. That's a pretty impressive lineup. It sure is. But touring did not slow down Pitbull's production. He was featured on the Ying Yang Twins single called Shake. Let's listen to that. <laughs> Oh, look, there's Hercules Mulligan again. (laughs) I wonder what we're shaking. Perhaps our culo? Is it very possible? Very possible. Again, what you sit on, people, is again what you sit on. Go ahead. All right, so Pitbull then collaborated with Sean Combs, and we, we all know who that is, right? We do. Yeah, okay. Puff. In 2005, to start Bad Boy Latino, which focuses on Latin hip-hop, Latin soul, and Latin pop artists. He currently heads the A&R department on this label, and if that wasn't enough, he still continued to release albums. Exactly. Well, his third album, entitled Boat Lift, was released in November of 2007 and had a single called The Anthem, which featured Little John. Yeah! <laughs> the Anthem was number 36 on the Hot 111 on Hot Rap Tracks. Let's take a listen to that. Told me that her mom is 
So Pitbull's fourth album, Revolution, was released on a new label, Ultra Records, since, well, the previous label, DVT Records, went bankrupt. Weren't we just talking about another label going bankrupt last episode? Yes, we were. Good memory, my friend. But just like PM Don, that bankruptcy only led to more hits and success. Pitbull's first single from Ultra Records called Crazy reached 30 on the top 100 charts and 11 on hot rap charts. Let's take a listen to that. You know, you can see the evolution, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, he's like found his lane. Yep. One thing I love about Pitbull is he, he knows his lane, man. This dude does it every time, so consistent. This song was pretty well received, and so was the next single, which happens to be our featured song, I Know You Want Me. Let's take another listen to that. Brr- <laughs> <laughs> it's Mr. 305 checking in for the remix. You know, they had that 75 Street Brazil. Well, this year's gonna be called Gaiocho. Que hola, gata, que hola, omega. And this is how we gonna do it. Dale! Dale! I'm in aerobics class listening to all this right now. <laughs> Seriously. As long as you're on a beach somewhere, it's good then. <laughs> For real. This is a great song, great video too. Uh, this song, actually it's not really a great video, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> this song reached number two on the Billboard charts and the top ten on the charts in the UK, Canada, Italy, the Netherlands. Hit number one on the charts in France. Just like with so many other artists that we talked about, that success doesn't come without an issue or two. You must be referring to the famous altercation between Pitbull and a fan. Yeah, so please inform the listeners about exactly what happened here. With pleasure. Due to its graphic nature, I won't be able to quote Pitbull directly. So I will do my best to paraphrase, okay? So here's the situation. Pitbull's on stage, and during the first 10 minutes of his set, he spots a fan who's making it rain Uh close to the stage. That's not appropriate at a, at a not appropriate, show. Right, exactly. But you're taking, you're taking you know, attention away from the artist. Correct. That's, that's, that's bad. Taboo. Now, I heard about this situation before, but just like with everything else, you have to do some research to find out what the real deal is. And apparently, Pitbull had told the guy to stop a few times. Gave him some warnings, yeah, right? Yeah, that's sure. It's fair. He explained that, you know, his set is an hour and 15 minutes long, and he didn't like starting and stopping a set for anything. So after the last time, it looks like the dude stopped only to start again on the other side of the stage. Wow, it looks, uh, we have failure to communicate. Exactly, exactly. So Pitbull brings him up on stage. He what? I, okay, why? I did not. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> but this time, he threw the money directly in Pitbull's face. Oh, my. All right, so at this point, I don't think a lot of people would turn the other cheeks. No. It, then they would not turn their culos. <laughs> Very well played, my friend. Love it. Yeah, and, and neither did Pitbull. He clocked him right in the jaw, and security picked him up right after. Oh, boy. He said it was sort of an automatic reaction, more instinct than anything. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. Well... I guess just like so many other people in the music industry, there are a lot of artists that get a bad rap for situations like this. I like the way you did that. Yeah, that see how I kind of put the like emphasis like on the that. rap word yeah, like yeah. it was a pun? I see that. They often don't hear about all the good, you know, so many people do good in the community and we never hear those stories. 
I mean, that's so true. And, and Pitbull's a good example to illustrate this point. He's actually has used his success to help those less fortunate by opening a middle and high school that is tuition-free. That is awesome. It is awesome. He started the school in 2013 in Miami and now has schools in several cities across the nation and has a 96% graduation rate. Wow. That is as impressive as any music award that he's received. And by the way, let's not forget the awards this man has received in music. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. 142 nominations with 45 wins. That's that one floored me when I when I saw that. That's including good. a Grammy for best Latin rock, urban, or alternative album for his ninth album, Dale. That was released in July of 2015. What was the album name? Dale. <laughs> and although that's pretty impressive, I also think it's impressive how he used his private plane to transport cancer patients from Puerto Rico to the United States for treatment. Right. That was during the hurricane. Right. Yeah. yeah that, that's awesome. That's, that's definitely awesome. Well, and just for that, I think he deserves another listen. In 2015, Pitbull won the iHeart Music Radio Music Award for Best Collaboration for the song Timber, featuring Kesha. Let's take a listen to that. Yep, he's still in the same lane. Same lane. A great pop song, though. I love Kesha. Kesha, she, she, she gets it. All right, so getting back to our second featured track, I Know You Want Me, Mm -hmm. I found a really weird connection that maybe only I find fascinating. You ready? Hit me. Okay. The guy who created 75 Brazil Street, Nicolo Fasano. Remember that name? Okay. Okay. Remember how we listened to Street Player from Chicago 13? Okay. Do you know what the name of the guy who did the, the artwork for that is? No. Nick Fasciano. Really? Yeah, I think it's I think it's part of some Illuminati conspiracy. Oh, okay, and and on that note, I, I think we better move along to our bonus material before you take us too far off the deep end. <sighs> All right, my friend, that's probably a good idea. All right, so we talked briefly about Rufus and Shaka Khan earlier in the show in their original version of Street Player, right? So let's spend a little bit more time digging into their catalog and their influence. Great idea. Rufus was one of the most popular and influential bands of the 70s and is famous for launching the career of Shaka Khan. The band had four consecutive number one R&B albums, 10 top 40 pop hits, and five number one R&B singles. That's a really good run. That is a darn good run right there. Yep, sure is. In 1974, the Rags to Rufus album produced the hit You Got the Love. Let's take a listen to that. I'm so glad we're getting back into the funk now. You got the love? I do now. We got the meat. (laughs) (laughs) I hope Arby's is paying us for that one. (laughs) Oh, they should be. All right, so You Got the Love hit number one on the Hot Soul Singles chart and number 11 on the Billboard 100. Shaka Khan actually co-wrote this tune. Guess with who? Hmm. Give me a hint, man. All right. Well, let's just say if you have a problem, or in this case, need to write a tune, who are you going to call? Well, if I have a problem, I know Vanilla Ice can solve it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, perhaps. But uh, let's go even more old school and maybe even a little bit paranormal. 
Okay. Well, I think you're referring to Ray Parker Jr., the famed singer of Ghostbusters? That's correct. All right, all right, all right. Well, I hope as they were working on this tune together, they were careful not to cross streams. Right, yeah. You don't uh, want to do that. You do not want to do that. Bad I, things happen. <laughs> I think they were safe, but actually there was already some unrest stirring. Really? By nine, yeah, by 75, Shaka Khan had definitely become the face of the group, for good reason, as evidenced by the name of their fourth album, which is now Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. As you might imagine, this began to cause some resentment within the band, but still they continued to churn out the hits, including this number one, co-written by Shaka Khan and Tony Maiden. Let's listen to Sweet Thing. Oh, this is my song. Okay. This is my song, right? You see how I got gas back? It's my song. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you hear me talking, baby? Love me now, I'll go crazy. Oh, sweet thing. Oh, you know She's a diva, you know that, right? Yeah. She, she, she's on that list. Everything. Yes, you are. So by 1979, the band had moved to MCA Records and released the eighth album, the platinum-selling Master Jam. This was produced by the legendary Quincy Jones. So there was zero chance it was going to be anything but a huge success. Yeah, true that. While Quincy was already a well-established and successful producer at this point, I think you can definitely hear some similarities in the sounds and the arrangements to the work that he was doing with Michael Jackson. Well, 1979 was apparently a busy year for Quincy. His first album with Michael, Off the Wall, was released in August, and Master Jam was released in November. Let's take a listen to Rufus and Shaka Khan's number one hit from that album, Do You Love What You Feel? Can't you see Michael doing this tune, too? I would love to hear that, actually. You know, cool. they should have swapped albums. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be real cool. So apparently this was a busy time for Shaka Khan, too. In 1978, she signed a solo deal with Warner Brothers and released her self-titled debut album, appropriately titled Shaka Khan. It featured her hit single, I'm Every Woman. Let's give that one a listen. This gets my estrogen flowing, I'm just saying. <laughs> For good reason. So this, of course, was later remade into another hit by Whitney Houston for the Bodyguard soundtrack. And Whitney even gives a shout-out to Shaka Khan at the end of the song. You know what's funny about this yeah. is that you know that you are the diva if other divas are actually— That's true. You know, if Whitney gives you a shout-out— and covering Seriously. your tune, it means you're you're legit. And not just that, but Sweet Thing was actually also redone by Mary J. Blige, like later on. I, yes. You yep. know, which is a really good rendition as well. I love them both, so. It's good stuff. Yep. Well, the success of Shaka Khan's solo career and mounting tensions within the band eventually, of course, led to their separation. Mm. Yeah, Shaka Khan went on to a phenomenally successful career that has included, I don't know, 10 Grammys, including her 1985 cover of Prince's 79 anthem, I Feel For You. It helps to have an all-star cast in the studio with you. Yeah, it sure does. You know? And in this case, that included Stevie Wonder on Ooh. harmonica and that well-known intro from Melly Mel of Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. So I got to tell you, this is one of those rhymes that will randomly play over and over in my head for no apparent reason. Usually while I'm washing dishes or trying to fall asleep. I, I think they call that like an earworm. 
Uh, I don't know. So Shaka Khan apparently had some issues with it initially as well. She says, you know, that's a song I really like, and I just wanted to cover it. I came into the studio one night, and my mentor and producer, Arif Marden, said that he had a surprise for me. I don't like surprises. I came in, and I hear this voice say my name over and over and what he wants to do to me. And I was floored. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> and Arif just said, eh, don't worry. It will be a hit. I, I think it was. Let's give it a listen. Chaka, 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 gone. Chaka, gone. Chaka, gone. Chaka, gone. Okay, so for the next three weeks, this will, once again, I'm going to wake up in the morning with this in my hand. But here we go. Here's Stevie's harmonica. So good. Every time, every time. Rufus and Shaka Khan did work together to make another significant contribution to hip-hop. In 1983, they released a live album called Stomping at the Savoy, and including a bonus track entitled Ain't Nobody. Let's listen to that. I feel like I, what do they have those? Like I have a montage sequence of like my training going on right now when I hear this song. <laughs> like I'm working out and. <laughs> well, they, well, good. Anything to be healthy, right? That's right. This found its way onto the soundtrack album for the breakdancing movie Breaking, a movie that also featured the first film performance for Ice-T in the appropriately named role of rap talker. Yeah, that's that's pretty much sums up Ice-T, right? Lemonade. Rap talker. Lemonade. <laughs> Lemonade. Read the sign. All right, so I think that's about all the time we have. It's quite the journey we've taken today, beginning with Chicago and our first featured track, Street Player. And connecting that to our second feature track, I Know You Want Me, Kaya Ocho from Pitbull. We wrapped up with some bonus material on Rufus and Shaka Khan. It has been a fun trip, my friend, as always. But where are we headed for our next episode? Well, Joe, if you're looking for a little bit of love, I have a grande plan to show you the way. Oh, well, that sounds like fun. I am in. And look, while I appreciate your efforts, I'm betting by the end of that episode, it will be obvious that I'm, I'm still not a player. I just crush a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. (laughs) All right, my friend. In the meantime, let's head out with a recent track that samples Chicago's Street Player, this time from the French DJ Retrovision with his track Get Up. He gets bonus points for actually including the woo-yah break on this one. All right, as always, thanks for joining us. Keep listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Julie Fink. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. 
I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.